Welcome to the Circuit Clouds Podcast, the official podcast of United League Baseball, purveyors of fine fake baseball since 1951. The baseball is fake, but the podcast is real. And we are doing the 1984 expansion edition of the podcast today. And if you're joining us, if you're listening to this now, the draft, the rookie draft just finished. So we're just about to get into spring training for 84. But we thought this is a great topic. Get Eric Clemens and Lance Mueller with us to talk about uh, Havana and Toronto and, uh, and, and their, their uh, re-entry into the league uh, with their new teams. So, so joining us, Eric Clemens, uh, GM of the Toronto Polar Bears. Hey, Eric. Hey. Good to see you. And joining us now, the former GM of the Chicago Colts. It's going to be weird not saying Lance Chicago Colts, but Havana Leones. Lance Mueller's with us. Hello, lovers of fake baseball and lovers everywhere. And finally, last but not least, we have the one and only Glenn Reed of the St. Louis Maroons. Hello, Glenn. Hello. So uh, again, our topic today is expansion teams. So we thought we would start, we have a rough outline. We're going to start with uh, just talking generally about kind of a grand strategy going into the expansion process. We'll talk, we'll delve into the expansion draft uh, and then talk a little about FA and and the rookie draft. We'll try not to get too carried away on the rookie draft because we could fill two hours with that topic. So try to keep it focused on the expansion teams. So let's get started with Lance. Why don't you talk a little bit about what your strategy was going into expansion? I mean, you've been in the league you've 32 years with one team. So this is kind of like a brand new thing for you to start with a totally blank slate. So can you talk yeah. a little bit about what your plan was heading in? Well, yeah, I mean, so the, I mean, the plan was once we established sort of what our cap was going to be and once the once the the free agency pool started filling out and you started seeing some names that were you know pretty pretty solid players that are going to be out there that you that we would have an opportunity at least to be in the mix to getting and adding to our rosters once the expansion draft was done i really went in with the plan of trying to keep my uh cap or, or my salary uh, pretty low, as low as I probably possibly could in order to make myself be able to be a player in the free agency pool um, once we got done with the expansion draft. So essentially, like when when the protected list came out or even before that, honestly, I've been working on this for a while, for a while, um, I, you know, I. You know, once the protected list came out, I mean, I had my own sort of document. I X'd off everybody that was protected. I also X'd off everybody that was over a certain salary point. Uh, I just was like, I'm not going to draft somebody who's going to make it X amount, more than X amount. $2 million was the rough baseline for that. There were probably a couple of guys on my list that were, would have made more than $2 million if I had decided to put them on the team. But that was basically the baseline. And I was just... And I just sort of de- dove in even before the the protected lists were final, and just started doing research on people's teams and trying to figure out like where are the sort of hidden gems that are cheap that I can that I can find 
um, and put on my team. And like, my goal was to keep my salary under 30 million, including the, the, the salaries for the rookies that, I, the rookie picks I had at the time. Um, and you know, I was able to do that. I mean, I think it ended up being like about 26, 27 million. So, I, and that was to give myself plenty of room to go after certain free agents and, uh, that all played out, you know, pretty well. And so, you know, I mean, I did a pretty extensive amount of research. I mean, I went through every team. Um, and made a list of those guys that were under that $2 million sort of threshold that I liked, that I would consider drafting, made a list for all those. And then I made a sub list based on position of all the players off of those teams onto a sub list and ranked all of those guys um, <laughs> based on dude. that. Yeah. Yeah. Ranked all those, <laughs> ranked all those guys on a sub list by position. And then, cause that gave me an idea of like, okay, what's the weakest position where, you know, who should, what position should I be drafting earlier on? And did all that. And that's like, that's how somebody like Jack Clark came into play. Cause, cause he was about the only worthwhile shortstop out there. And by the way, I don't know how Manhattan turned Jack Clark into a shortstop. Um, I don't know what like magic elixir that dude has that he's like handing out to guys. He ends up on his team. But the fact that Jack Clark can play shortstop, like, you know, once you got past him, it was, a it was, eh, you know, so, and then, then I just sort of based my strategy off. Okay. Like, you know, who are the best players? And what are the weakest positions? And so who should I be going after earliest? And that's sort of the way I approached it. And uh, it, it played out pretty well. I definitely got swooped a couple of times by Eric on a couple of guys, but it, uh, you know, I think it worked out fairly well. Jesus Christ. No wonder I can't win. <laughs> I, uh, I rolled in about an hour before we started. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, just started kind of looking at uh, guys that I thought might actually make the team someday was kind of my, uh, like, at the top plan. Uh, I really should have held off on um, Kevin McReynolds as he made over two, slightly over $2 million. So uh, I may have could have got him late. But, you know, basically I just went for guys, initially just for guys that I thought actually might hang around uh, at some point. So I did take McReynolds as, uh, I think I said, it was my sentimental bozo pick. He's a he's a Razorback, um, and but he, he actually has some chance to to develop and you know beat my new uh, Bobby Ayala. Uh, but uh, I do think my unpredictableness uh, helped me a little bit, uh, as Lance said. I, I think I, I swooped him uh, swooped him a couple times just because uh, wasn't expecting me to take uh, a reliever with my fourth pick. Um, but again, I just was kind of like, oh, this guy looks pretty good. Let me take let me take him. Definitely yeah, a swoop no, no. there. It was literally the next name on my list was Jesse Orozco. I was like, no, but you know, that's happens. That happens in every draft. Right. Uh, and after, uh, I, you know, as we got going there after about, I don't know, pick five or six, then I had some uh, time to uh, semi catch up a little bit. And I, I think I settled down and did okay. Uh, afterwards. Um, I was not, I didn't want to keep my overall cap relatively low, so I, I wasn't planning on participating in free agency as, as much as Lance was, but I didn't want to keep it relatively low and, and try to keep my finances um, relatively straight, but that did allow me to um, splurge on uh, Cecil Cooper, uh, give me a little a little pop in the lineup, and uh, I played a lot with uh, getting guys that have tags or, or you know uh, personality traits, so like Cooper's a fan favorite, and I got you know a number of guys. I got a couple captains, and then a couple this thing and that thing. So we'll see how that all how that all plays out. But uh, and then uh, at the, with the last pick, I took Blylevin. So uh, 
you know, we'll see what that what that looks like. But, but you know, I had a much more simple plan of, hey, this guy looks pretty good. And then after a few picks, I mean, like, oh, let me figure out how to like make a lineup that might actually uh, at least I have you know some everybody at every position. But did you think about things like oh, I want a pitching? I mean, you know, like like uh, what would you say? Like uh, first principles, I want a pitching team, or I want to you know, hitting or, or I'm trying to get just young guys. Like were those kind of, I mean, you had to make those kind of decisions too, right? Uh, not really. <laughs> I, uh, I did try to get younger guys, but you know, I thought really within the confines of the expansion draft, I mean, there was going to be, you know, I, I felt like if I've had five or 10 guys that were really going to like be pieces of the team down the road that, you know, that was pretty good. So I didn't stress – I didn't say, oh, I definitely want pitching. Let me draft, you know, the top five pitchers I see here. I just kind of went, you know, this guy looks like he may, you know, be able to hang around down the road and, and be a part um, with the caveat of, uh, again, at some point, uh, really, in the, you know, like the 10th or 11th, I was like, well, I have to get, at least get some kind of middle infield because it's uh, Lance swooped at all. You know. I mean, that's a really, really good point. So it- – I'll just jump in here with a couple of thoughts. It was clear right off the bat that Lance was uh, focusing on two things being as cheap as possible and right. And filling up the middle, right. You got second base catcher, shortstop center field, first four picks. So you got your core four right there, right off the bat. And also it it seemed like Eric had no qualms about going for the higher price guys. Like Lance mentioned uh, like the $2 million kind of cap. Uh, Well, three of Toronto's first seven picks were, Two million or more, McReynolds, Terry Whitfield, and Rick Sutcliffe. But it's interesting. You look at the salaries now, and uh, Havana's payroll is actually a bit more than Toronto's. But that's because of the Sixto Lascano trade, which we'll get to. We'll save that to the end of the podcast. But um, it, both teams are at right around forty-five million, I think. So kind of well under the fifty million limit. Yeah, the only only one position I did try to find a spot at reasonably soon was center field uh that's where i uh, took glenn wilson Uh, so i did make a conscious effort to find uh, what i thought would be a reasonable center fielder Uh, but other than that it was just like whoever looked pretty good yeah i didn't i mean i did a little you know i looked at the once sorry once the the sort of ballpark uh factors had been established for the for the you know, for Havana's ballpark. I mean, it looked like he was going to play as a pitcher's ballpark. Um, so, and I mean, in the past, I mean, we've always sort of s- s- talked about the idea of basically, you know, I mean, if you can't put a, a particularly good offensive team together, like, you know, pitching and defense can hopefully win for you. So, but, but then he also, we looked at the pitching that was available in the expansion draft and it wasn't particularly mind blowing. So I shifted a little away from like what I have built a lot of my teams on in the past, which is like a really strong pitching core, you know, and then, you know, a lot of sort of decent defensive players. And I just kind of was like looking for like, what's, you know, where are the weaknesses? Cause if, you know, if, if Eric swoops me out of position, like say short truck or something else, like the, the depth of that pool is going to get shallow real fast so like I was sort of looking for those weaknesses and then those weakest positions and then, you know, just hoping to pick up some decent pitching along the way to build, a you know, a decent enough staff, knowing that there were some guys floating around um, in free agencies like Soto and Butler and some other guys where if they were going to be priced well, you know, reasonably enough, 
that there was an opportunity to go after them as well, based on my strategy of keeping my my expansion cap relatively low. So, yeah, I don't know if there was a, a, a focus other than like, yeah, filling up, going up the middle and, and, and getting those those shallowest pools drafted from earliest and then just trying to like kind of figure out the rest of it as it went along and trying to figure out like, where do I need to build depth? And, you know, even that I sort of missed, like, I can't believe we finished the draft. And I think I only had like maybe 13 or 14 pitchers on the team, which was seemed a little bit uh, short of what it should have been out of 35 picks, but it just kind of the way it went. Yeah. I mean, another thing I noticed was uh, it was Eric hit on this is like a key difference between just a two team draft and a regular draft is like, so you took uh, Havana took Bill Dorr and the second baseman as the first overall pick, probably clearly the best second baseman available, but with two teams, it's like, okay, Toronto can sit back. Like, all right, Havana's got their second baseman now. So I don't have to worry about, you know, he's not going to take another second baseman for a while. Right. So um, and that's a little different because in a, in a normal draft, you might see, you might that might start a run, right? There might see you might see two or three second basemen start falling, and so there might be more of a impetus there. So, um, Eric, was that part of your calculus? Uh, like once you saw him take certain positions, you're like, all right, Doran's gone, Hassey's gone. I can kind of sit back and look at other positions now. Yeah, that was definitely the case with catcher, because uh, I, I thought there was a bit of a, a drop off, uh, and I was maybe thinking about taking a defensive catcher. Uh, which was I did it like took Blackwell fifteen or something, so fifteen or sixteen. Um, the other thing is really after he took Doran and Clark, I mean there there actually wasn't any, anything. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm going to wait. Uh, I liked Anderson, who I, I actually ended up taking in the top ten, but uh, I took uh, Demas and Garcia shortly thereafter, which I probably should have waited on. But um, yeah, I mean really, uh, Lance was pretty. Uh, pretty accurate. I mean, the, the middle infield was really weak. Uh, other spots were, were, were pretty good, but once he got uh, Clark and Doran, it was, uh, it was quite a drop off there. And then I was like, oh, there. let me grab a, a reliever and a starter and you know, some <laughs> things like that. <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the free agency. Um, I'm looking at the free agent picks here. I'm just going to rattle off some of the big ticket names that each team signed. So it looks like Havana spent a lot more money in free agency, uh, five, five signings over a million. Uh, Bill Butler was the big one at 3.1 million. And then Havana picked up uh, Keith Hernandez, uh, another starter, Lynn McLaughlin, uh, center fielder, Lyman Bostock and catcher Carlton Fisk. Toronto only had three guys over a million. Uh, big one I thought was Mario Soto. That was a, a big signing. He, I think Soto was one of the better starters available. And then um, Otto Suato, Otto Valise, the right fielder, and Elliot Maddox. So you, you filled some, uh, basically, it looks like probably a couple of starting outfielders there. So you guys want to talk a little bit about free agency? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, um, by the way, the, the soda was definitely a swoop also. I mean, I was going hard for him as well. And, and, and uh, Eric got me on that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's like it was tied, certainly tied definitely to the expansion in the sense of like, of, of trying to be a player as best as possible by keeping, keeping money available. And I mean, Bill Butler, I probably would not have signed had it not been for Soto getting swooped and for making, I think, 
I feel like I did that signing after the trade where I traded down from two to four. Um, and, and, you know, knowing that it was like, it was the Roger Clemens wasn't going to be there to anchor the, the rotation. So I was just like, at that point, I'm like trying to pick up as much of the starting pitching that's available. I missed on a couple of guys who would have been cheaper. So Butler was there and he was still reasonably cheap. So, you know, he, I ended up sort of going after him just to try and make the rotation as strong as I possibly could. Um, you know, Keith Hernandez, I mean, I needed, I think, uh, I, he was always kind of part of the plan. I was hoping to go after him, um, you know, and like McLaughlin and a couple, there was a couple other guys that I went after were, you know, sort of probably middle lower rotation guys that, you know, I got one, I missed out on a couple other ones. Um, and yeah, Fisk was just like trying to make the, the sort of catching tandem be stronger, even if just for a short time. Um, yeah, it was just sort of like, and I didn't care. Like age didn't matter at this for me at that point, once we were going after free agents, I didn't care how old they were. It was more about trying to like, how can I strengthen each one of these sort of positions on the team? Cause at that point I felt like the team was actually fairly decent, like not a bad team. Like I wouldn't, wouldn't mind putting the team on the field, but there were definitely some spots where I was like, okay, I need to make this position better. And, you know, whether it was trades that didn't happen or picks picks in the expansion that I just missed out on, like these were ways to sort of, you know, fill what I thought were necessarily weaknesses, but definitely places where I could bolster the team uh, even further. So that was sort of my approach to a lot of those, to a lot of those picks. Yeah, I didn't have, again, I, you know, I felt a little freer to spend in the expansion draft and, and took a couple guys, as I was saying, uh, Cooper and Fly Levin spent a little money there. So didn't necessarily plan to spend tons of money uh, in free agency. Um, I did want Soto. I, I actually, I didn't think I was going to get him. I, he, he ended up being, I thought, very reasonably priced, uh, like $2.3 two or something. Um, so I was like pretty pumped about him because I, I I actually like him I, I liked him you know even before when I was on a, when I had a, a team that was actually together so um, I was pretty excited about him and then I planned on uh, getting one of the seventy five outfielders that Manhattan signed um, so because I did want a fourth outfielder uh, so that's I got Maddox I, I really wasn't planning on getting um, Swato. Uh, and uh, I, you know, plan to get those couple guys and just sign some 350 guys and kind of see where I was. But um, he was around in the 350 round um, and uh, you know, seven power. He actually has the most power on my whole team now. And I was like, well, let me, you know, that seemed pretty reasonable. Let me pick him up for a year and uh, see how it goes. So he just kind of um, fell there. I'm, I'm hoping he goes back to like a couple years ago when he hit like 35 home runs or whatever it was. So. Um, he kind of fell in my lap a little bit, um, but I did want Soto, uh, and I needed the fourth outfielder. Maddox is who I had hoped to get out of that, so it kind of worked out. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking at Toronto, uh, and as might be, I don't know how recent this uh, information is, but it's showing your outfield as uh, Kurt Gibson, Glenn Wilson, and Terry Whitfield, so that's that's not a bad outfield at all. Yeah, no, that's manageable, and I, it's, I think for me, it's just trying to figure out uh, uh, if I'm actually going to start Maddox or again, just let him be my fourth uh, guy. I don't know. I, I figure this will all sort itself out, but something along those lines, yeah. So, so then, so we get through uh, free agency, and then before we get to the rookie draft, um, 
the trade of the offseason, um, probably the biggest trade in a couple of years, Havana given up all their 85 picks uh, and a couple other pieces for, for Lescano. So Lance, can you talk us through that? So this is the, to me, that was the, this is the team that kind of, that's the trade that turned this team into like a maybe contender to like suddenly, you know, Havana's right there in the mix, especially in that, in that new golf division. Yeah, that was an interesting um, trade. Cause I was not, <laughs> Uh, and I, I hope uh, Sean's going to be okay with this because um, that was not a trade that I was pursuing. Um, I was, you know, uh, obviously uh, Sean had had sort of dangled a Ricky um, uh, from Detroit, and I had been going back and forth with him about trying to get Ricky on the team. And you know, um, it, it, things were, uh, you know, things were formulated, and I didn't mind the idea of giving away my eighty-five picks, even for Ricky at that point, because I think. I don't consider that draft to be definitely necessarily that deep or great. And I don't know if there were going to be pieces to pick up off of it that would make the team all that much better. So that was something that I was already moving towards anyways. Um, so we were going back and forth. And then at some point, uh, Sean messaged me and said cryptically uh, something about the idea that, oh, I might be able to get one of the best premier power hitters in the league who could also play a better outfield than Ricky Henderson without saying who it was. So I immediately started digging through uh, digging through uh, all the players on the teams and like they basically came up with, you know, two, two names, which was basically Winfield and Sixto Lascano. And considering that, um, you know, Ryan was pretty new to the league and sort of making some moves with Boston, I just was kind of like, wait, you're going to get Sixto? And he was like, uh, oh, you figured it out. And then I was like, I was like, I was like, oh, well, that's amazing. Like, I, that's awesome. And then a couple of days later, he messaged me back with a, a, you know, a message that, that I took as, oh, I'm going to keep Ricky. I sort of, you know, I sort of ran through it and decided Rick, Ricky's is more sort of, you know, valuable to me. And so uh, without, when I probably, to be a gentleman, I probably should have said, well, can I go after six though? But instead of doing that, I just went to Ryan and made him an offer. And uh, that offer evolved uh, like probably uh, over a matter of a couple of hours. He was offering to, to swip swap two and three, but the, the not all the pieces were the same. And then I was I basically said, "Well, how about you keep three and give me four and eleven? That way you can pick back to back. There's no chance that you're going to get swooped for whatever you want at two and three. And I'll I'll move down to four and eleven because at that point I had already sort of you know eyeballed Langston, yeah, yeah. I'd already eyeball Langston as as a, a possible. You know, he's definitely not like the he's not going to be Clemens, but he's going to be a two or three starter. So I'd already uh, eyeballed him, and also like with the depth of this draft, figured I could pick up something pretty strong at eleven as well. And so I think that sort of ability to be able to pick back to back at two and three was enough of an enticement. Um, and he asked for Terry Kennedy and I didn't have any problem giving up Terry Kennedy. And so, um, I, I mean, it honestly like rolled itself into a, a, a finished deal within a couple of hours. So essentially you, you gave up the two for the fourth and 11th. Well, of course the 18th was in there as well. So, but yeah. Uh, so basically you gave up Roger Clemens and, and what turned out to be Roger Clemens and Mike Bilecki for Langston and Terry Pendleton. And if you look at 
Pendleton was, I thought, quite a swoop at, at 11. Well, it would have been a swoop in a normal year. In this year, it's like, yeah, of course, Trey Pendleton is going to be the 11th pick, right? So I don't, you know, it was it was a very solid pick. And if you look at your team rankings, um, he's already, Pendleton is already ranked the seventh best third baseman, which um, after Lescano, he's your highest rated uh, position player. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, and it's not that I didn't have faith in Brooke Jacoby because I think actually Brooke Jacoby might end up being a, a relatively decent player. I just was like, I think Terry Pendleton can have an impact now and Brooke Jacoby's ability to play first base, you know, in the future, because he's still a pretty young player. I figured, well, if he develops well enough, then, you know, once Keith Hernandez is gone in a couple of seasons, then I can just move Jacoby over to first base and have Pendleton and Jacoby on the infield. So, yeah, and I didn't, you know, and I look at it as getting, yeah, a Pendleton and, um, and also getting Sixto as part of that sort of, sort of the, the math there. So, you know, to me, it did, did seem like a, you know, no brainer deal to trade down in the draft, a draft that was this deep um, in order to get that guy on my team and sort of change the face and really change the face of the team to, again, for me, a team that would have been decent, you know, but probably would have had somebody like, you know, I don't know, like Ron Hassey or, or Jack Clark hitting fourth to having six doe hitting fourth. I mean, that changes the, sort of the met, the matrix, the metrics of the team all in like completely. So dude, so there's like several obvious questions, but before, I mean, maybe, or maybe we do stay on this, but I definitely wanted to also hear from, from Dr. C because you, you trade the number two pick and somehow you turn the number two pick into, you know, uh, the four, the 11 and six still. Like, I mean, so that's amazing. But yet the guy with the number one, like the offers for number one must have been similarly spectacular, but he kept the pick. Yeah. Because not only did I want to contrast the different approaches, right. Where, where Lance basically said, screw it. I'm winning now. He did his typical thing, you know, my two hour miracle deal where I transformed my team and all of a sudden I'm super competitive. And, and Dr. C took the other trade, which is, nope, I don't care what people offer me. I'm just going to sit on my pick and take good. But, but not only that, but like at, at a, the, the preamble part is there has to be some calculus about trying to win now versus trying to think about, well, if I suck now, that's okay because I get better picks in the future. And I had a conversation with Lance like, you know, way back, like six months ago, whenever expansion was first announced. And I was like, dude, <laughs> this is the greatest expansion thing ever because you're going to get the number one or number two draft pick in the, in the Good and Clemens year. And then you just suck. You're an expansion team. You just suck for 84 and 85. And then you get the number one pick in 86 and you get Bonds or Maddox, right? I was like, dude, this is set up so perfect for you. And Lance is like, dude, are you crazy? Like, that's not how I roll. Like, I win now, you know? So, so I'm curious. So the kind of the preamble is just to say for Lance and Dr. C, like um, may, maybe, maybe the Clemens approach is more like, well, I am thinking kind of longer term and I didn't want to, you know, trade one stud for, for four good players. Right. And so, so I'm curious about that aspect as well. So a couple things, I mean, uh, as well evidenced by my uh, history, I'm fine with sucking for a while. So, <laughs> um, but I, you know, I didn't necessarily, you know, maybe to my detriment here, I didn't, or well, I guess we'll see, I didn't necessarily uh, totally go towards, you know, not, not being competitive. I, you know, I think that I got a pretty competitive team. Uh, 
you know, at least as best I could do with what I had. Um, although I do anticipate, you know, some of the parts I have will probably be, I'll probably move for picks, uh, seeing that people are interested down the road. Uh, things just go good. Um, uh, and he, you know, wins 30 games or something crazy. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if I had, uh, you know, the first pick for uh, a couple more years. But, uh, you know, I do think that it's probably going to be certainly a slower uh, build for me than for Lance. Again, you know, the main thing that I wanted to do is to be sure that the finances were right, and that those were moving in the right direction. Uh, you know, and I'm hoping that I can get my cap, you know, 55 next year and 60 the year after that and keep kind of building that way. Um, and uh, again, yeah, hopefully getting some, some good picks, make some good trades, we'll, we'll kind of see. Uh, you, you know, the the weird thing, the day the, the foul hit with the rookies, uh, I, I really wasn't kidding. I was literally like, I was blowing up. So I knew something that had happened. <laughs> I was in the, uh, I was actually seeing patients. I was in the clinic and like my phone's going, you know, I'm just like, Whoa, okay. So like, uh, I don't know around lunchtime I was able to actually download the file. I was like, Oh, okay. Good. And the, uh, nine, nine, six, I think. And then, yeah, I mean, basically not, you know, 80%, I think of the league, uh, texted me or messaged me in Slack that day. And uh, basically everybody offered me all the 85 picks, and something. So it usually it kind of came down to what the end something was. Um, a few people like you were just like not even in the right ballpark. So I was like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. But um, there was definitely a couple of good offers. Um, one I seriously considered, which say was say, say say it was mine. Say it was my offer. Was it my offer? No, no I know it was my. Offer. Yeah, uh, not even close. Uh, was a like legitimate superstar player and uh what was it It was two two other firsts and two twos and something else i think so it was it was effectively it was kind of it was similar to the um to the c-rob deal and it was had three you know three firsts worth of players there there was actually another kind of a deal that we that was actually uh, better i might have done that actually had two superstar players in it and two pick and two firsts but uh, I couldn't make the finances work because of the 50 million cap because I needed to take some finances uh, with it um, that I'm that I might have done because it, it had two legitimate superstar players in, in that package. Uh, it, but you know, I mean, part of it kind of came down to I was a little bit worried about trading 19 year old Larry Durker. Uh, yeah, that's legitimate. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's fair. <laughs> so you know, pitching is so uh, difficult to find. So. Um, but at, at any rate, I there other than the one offer, I, I didn't really seriously consider any, anything else. Uh, it, I, you know, I felt like again to think about it, I, I didn't want picks for for that. I mean, I did want picks, but I also wanted like legit superstar player. Uh, if I was giving up on Gooden, I needed something like that to go with it, and I didn't have any money either, so they had to be young and cheap. So that really limited the field. Uh, but someone did step up with a good offer, but. Uh, uh, I decided to hang tight ultimately uh, just because Gooden was too good. Were you set on Gooden the, the whole way or was there any debate between Gooden and Clemens or, or even a position there, player? You, you cannot say yes to that. It had, I mean, Doc Gooden was 
he was head and shoulders above everybody else, even Clemens. Even, I mean, I was shocked when the ratings came out and Clemens was rated as well as he was, but there's no way in hell anybody would have picked anybody besides Doc Gooden. I don't think so. I, I just, I would have been shocked and also would have been pissed. I would have been so pissed. I traded away number two and you took Clemens. Oh, I would have been so mad. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Gooden was the clear clear one as well. There, uh, you know, it, it was either it was I was either going to take Gooden or someone was just going to like blow me out of the water with some trade that I hadn't comprehended. Um, but I mean, yeah, once I once I like I said downloaded that file uh, that first day and it was nine nine six. I was like, yeah, this is yeah. I mean, again, if you look in the whole league, he's the top you know three or four pitcher right now. I feel like way back when, I feel like I, before we even saw Ray, even like we were in the middle of the season, I feel like I, once we knew it was going to be docked, and I feel like I offered you like the number two and my 85 picks. And like I was trying to work something with like, well, I'll give you the number one expansion pick. And then like I'll take, I'll draft down to like eight or 10 or something. I was trying, trying to work everything. It's to try and get good and, and you know, uh, the doc was not biting. He would not bite on anything. So, oh, Lance, yeah. are you are you admitting that Dwight Gooden is better than Bill Doran? Uh, yeah, I, yes, yes. I, I'm I'm making that admission right now that that he is in fact better than than Doran is. Okay, I'm yes. glad we have that. On, glad we have that on record. Yes, but I mean, he also, I mean, I was giving. I mean, he was going to get. He would have gotten Clemens anyways. If he'd taken the deal, he would have gotten Clemens at two and whoever he wanted at number one in the expansion draft and all that stuff. But he, he, he was like, no, I think I'll just go ahead and stick with doc, which makes total sense. Yeah. I had a couple of offers in the season and uh, yeah, I was basically like, I, I'm willing to take the risk and that the rookies aren't rated that well. Uh, and that I, you know, be sad versus uh, yeah. Taking whatever I was like, I'm not doing anything till I see, see what we got. Because I, I thought Gooden or Clemens, I wasn't sure it was going to be Gooden then, but I, I thought one of those guys was, at least one of those guys was going to be um, a frontline starter right from the get-go. So I was like, I'm not doing anything until I see the file, and then, and then we can talk, uh, which, you know, then once we saw him, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. Well, you know, this is going to have to take um, something good. But, yeah, there's no doubt, like, best thing that's ever happened to me in the United League is uh, winning the coin flip or whatever, however that worked out that I got the first pick in the actual, in the rookie draft. So, so let's shift gears now. Let's talk about Havana's first pick. Uh, so you, you, we already talked about uh, dropping the two down to four. So Lance, did we, did you always have Langston in mind when you had, as soon as you got the number four? There, I mean, I, I ran the, the, there were three names that ran together. I mean, uh, um, Riho and Saberhagen and Langston were all sort of on the same, uh, more or less on the same um, plane and, you know, was sort of picking between them. I think <clears throat> the sort of the decision, uh, the sort of thing that weighed in Langston's favor was, A, I mean, I not that Riho and Saberhagen aren't ready to go now, although I think that, that Langston is just a little more developed now. He basically is the pitcher he's going to be right now, other than maybe developing a little bit in his control and maybe developing a pitcher here or there a little bit better, but he's basically who he's going to be in like, you know, and like if I, I, I've plugged him in, you know, into the game and then, you know, do the thing where you ask the bench coach to set up your rotation. He, they make him the number one starter on my team, you know, my rotation. So it's like, they feel like he's good enough to yeah. be in that position. So it's like, I'm, I'm not going to put him in that position, but you know, they think he can be, 
Um, and then the other thing that weighed into to it, honestly, was uh, this was an this was an anti Glenn Reed pick. This was getting a left hander in my rotation to battle all the left handers in the middle of his lineup. Um, <laughs> dude, just for the record, when you made that pick, everyone was like, "Dude, what the hell, Langston? That doesn't, you know, what about Rio? Whatever." I was like, "Dude, it makes perfect sense because not just my team, but also Washington and also Atlanta all lean left. All three of us lean left." I was like, "Dude, it's a yeah. perfect." Perfect pick so, for so, his division. Yeah, so, you know? Exactly. So Lance has his eye on those last. Uh, so the way the schedule is going to work, it's going to be completely balanced for the first 150 games. And then that last, those last 12 games of the season are all in the, in within the division. So those last two weeks, Lance has got his eye on the last two weeks, of the pennant race. We're throwing Langston every third day against every other team in the, in the Gulf division. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was definitely sort of the thing that weighed ultimately weighed in, in Langston's favor. Didn't imagine that uh, Langston would necessarily be on anybody's radar between you know dropping down from two to four. Like, I didn't think that necessarily Ryan was going to pick him up and his getting his back to back pick. So I figured he would be there for me. Um, I mean, I guess I, but I didn't want to roll the dice and uh, think that he would uh, make it all the way to 11. So it was, it was like, get him when I could. And then just um, like uh, hope for the best for what would roll down to, you know, the 11, number 11 pick. And that was a whole, I mean, I had, I literally had, I had a top 10 and then it was like, ah, all right, who, who's going to be at 11. And it was like, not the, not names I necessarily uh, were in love with and was just, kind of crossing my fingers for as Pendleton kept going, sliding down and down. And then I honestly thought for sure, um, being the Cardinal fan that the commission is that, that, um, that he would get picked up. And I was, I, I mean, I, yeah. I was set on being disappointed in the him yeah, getting yeah. swooped. Um, but luckily you took Mitchell and then it was like down to Chicago and, you know, my old team and you look and it's like, well, he's got Gary Gaetti. Like he doesn't need Terry Pendleton. And then they're both guys, Gaddy and Pendleton are guys who can only play third base. You know, if, if Gaddy had more versatility, maybe he could have thought about moving him someplace else or same for Pendleton. So it was like, I think I'm actually going to get Terry Pendleton, which is exactly so what I want. You had Pendleton at 11. You're like, okay, my, I'm going to take Langston four and hope Pen Pendleton makes it to 11. Was that? Yeah, those, that was my hope. Those were, those were my hopes. Yeah. And it, it ended up uh, playing out the way that, that, that I would have wanted it to. Yeah, so, yeah. So not, not, I don't want to get too far into the into the draft stuff, but since you since you mentioned uh, Kevin Mitchell, so I was hoping and praying that Mitchell would drop because I thought that Mitchell might be. I, I honestly thought like Eric Davis and Kevin Mitchell might have been the top two. Yeah, Puckett's good too, but I like Mitchell can play third base, right? So I'm, he's pure third baseman for me. So I was hoping that Mitchell, would, I, I had my eye on Mitchell the whole way. I was hoping, hoping he would drop to nine, but I wasn't too stressed about it because I thought, all right, if, if I don't get Mitchell, Pendleton, I mean, what a great consolation prize is, you know, a nine contact with a glove, right? So um, yeah. yeah, I was I was super thrilled to get Mitchell at, at nine. So I was happy to pass on Pendleton to you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, because like literally, I think I literally had a top 10 list and then I think 11 was like, I like, Jim Deshays or something and it was like it was like worlds worlds apart of like who or maybe San Javier or something like that like I had a list and then it was like once I it was a top 10 list and then everybody after that it was like God like I'll, I'll be happy to have them but I really want that I really want Terry Pendleton on my team and uh yeah just by the luck of the draw it turned out that I ended up getting him so um that was you know I, I was 
just thrilled by that. I wanted to I wanted to throw something else in. I'm sort of backtracking to the um, to the expansion draft again. There's, I wanted to mention, um, you know, one of the other big factors that played into it for me, and I don't know if this was the case for for uh, for the doc, but uh, was the pullback list. Like that was a big thing in like trying to figure out who to take when off of what teams. Because that really, you know, I mean, Bill Doran was became a, a sort of a first pick, but it was like there was a bunch of names on Manhattan um, that like were very interesting to me. And like it was it was to me a little bit of a gamble to take Jack Clark when I took him. But because I there were other just other names on that team where I was like, I think I had this conversation with Glenn uh, through Slack or it's like, oh, you know. I'm going to take Jack Clark and then these other names are going to come off the list. And then like, I'm going to be like sad because I'm not going to be able to get them or like, they're not going to be available for me or for Eric to take. And then, you know, so that, but it's like shortstop was the weakest position. I thought, so it's like, all right, I'm just going to get Jack Clark. And then whatever happens happens. Cause I mean, I wanted to get Mookie off of that team as well. Mookie Wilson, but I looked at the center field and was like, eh, you know, eh, there's some other, viable center fielders out there it's okay but if i don't get jack clark and there's like the shortstop uh pool just kind of just sort of tumbles off a cliff so but yeah the 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 pullback list really sort of had a huge effect in like sort of figuring out when to go after guys and what guys to go after and like sort of take a gamble of like yeah. if i get yeah. this guy off of that squad like is he gonna are these names gonna come off of it and suddenly the guy that i had pegged to be my right. catcher or my whatever is something it's very, it's a very, dy- very dynamic, fluid situation, right? Because a team that a team that looks that looks like they've got a lot of depth suddenly, you, you, when you're picking one, you're picking four. Basically, you're taking four out of the pool. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, so yeah. So in the first, I, I think in the first half of the expansion draft, it was the pullback list. In the second half, it was these teams that were like it was you know once you get the seventh pick, like that whole team is out, right? So that seventh pick suddenly is. Um, you know, everyone they have left is pulled back and they're no longer in the draft. So was that a factor later on? You're like, okay, there's only one more. I think Manhattan and I think Manhattan and Washington, I think were the first two teams that had seven players gone. Was that a factor when you got up, when those teams got up to like six picks, you're like, okay, there's only one more guy off of these teams. Um, Did that figure into the calculus at all? Uh, There were definitely times where I closed out teams just so that Eric would not get it, be able to pick off of that team. There's definitely, a, there were some times when I was like, all right, I'm just going to close out this team and get whatever guy I want off of it so that, that the rest of those guys are gone. I know that's a dick move. And by the way, I also want to say, I think the person who made, who, who their strategy of, of who they were going to expose and who they're going to protect, uh, I think the commission did the best job by putting out those guys who were very talented, but were had super high prices. Like he, allow you allowed yourself to protect those guys by exposing them. I think that was a really yeah. smart plan. Well, and I, I think hope, it worked in yeah. your favor. Well, it did. I mean, my, my, I was just trying to, well, number one, it's like, I mean, thank that. Thanks for the compliment. Even the guys on my protected list, I didn't want, cause there's two, there's two sides to every expansion draft, right? There's the expansion teams. And then there's, you know, the other, how the other 14 teams handled it. So, uh, and some of these teams got hit pretty hard, but some others, like, uh, you know, Montreal lost to Burt Plylevin and McReynolds. Like, McReynolds is a great prospect, but, you know, he, that's like, he only lost four guys, but it was like over six million in cap space that freed up for him. So, you know, that, that works as in his favor in some ways. Uh, uh, as an aside, I don't know if this was a strategy or not, if he wanted to keep everyone, but San Francisco only lost two guys. 
he wasn't trying to yeah that's true uh, and he but he only lost uh 850k as yeah. well so yeah I don't know. I think that speaks largely to the uh, Denver and San Francisco maybe had the thinnest uh, organizations coming in. Yeah. Or I mean, a team like Chicago, who the, the, that list of guys who were exposed, it was like, there's pretty nobody. I mean, there was, I mean, I, I like Jim Anderson. I mean, like I obviously added that guy to my team, you know, um, to be a backup, you know, shortstop. And I think he's actually a decent player and, you know, but it like that team was set up where it's like, he could protect exactly whatever it was, uh, you know, the number of guys, the 18 guys, and, like, his team would be completely intact, you know. Um, you know, I don't think that's due to anything that I did. It just so happens that it's, like, once you ran through that list and you had 18 protected players, it was, like, there wasn't really anybody worthwhile to take anymore. I mean, Yeah, Chicago, the only player he had was Jim Anderson. I took, uh, which it was probably going to end up being, like, my shortstop, <laughs> or my, at least my backup shortstop, but uh, – I took uh, Jim Morrison, uh, who's terrible, but is the captain. Well, so arguably that's the best approach, right? I mean, the guy who had the maybe the best approach to, to expansion was to lose the least players, right? So maybe Chicago, whoever that GM was, you know, did it right. Chicago, San Francisco. I think it just depends, again, if they're happy with their cap, then they, they did well or uh, like we're saying if uh, – well, that's true. I mean, Chicago, it's like he got the blessing of having Bill Singer retire. So suddenly his cap became gigantic and like it wasn't. Yeah, he could he didn't need to lose anybody to make cap space. So he could protect all of his high dollar guys he wanted because he was still going to have a ton of cap space anyways. Yeah, I mean, in Denver, I lost uh, I lost three guys, but it was uh, three point three point five million. So worked out quite well. And one of them, Storm Davis, is kind of like a busted. Oh, the other good. The other nice thing is that two of those three were. Um, contracts through 86 so it kind of cleared my books for for three years you know it took three million off my payroll for three years so that was a nice little bonus yeah i think um i did pretty good um uh accounting for like the pullbacks and the closeouts and everything until it was like pick 25 or 7 or something that we took a break basically and shut it down for the night and then when we came back the next day, totally forgot about that at all. So, like, I had, you know, four guys on Manhattan or whatever I, that I liked. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's only one there, and they go away. So I didn't, like, my second – but basically within, like, two picks, all the guys I still liked were gone. I was like, oh, I, I really screwed this last uh, last little bit up. But it you know, still worked out, and it was funny because I, you know, spent time looking at people, and I just – for whatever reason, just totally spaced and forgot that. Oh yeah, Brady's going to get closed out now. <laughs> so I want to let's. Uh, I want to circle back to the draft a second and talk about. So Eric, you had the seventeenth pick, and you basically swapped it before you even took the pick. So yeah, I mean, basically there was. Uh, you know, I had uh, unlike Lance, he had a, a clear. I think top ten. He said I had like fourteen or so. I really liked. Uh, and then I thought there was a little bit of a drop, nothing major, but figured at 17, just the way it worked out for me, I was going to end up taking a developmental person. And uh, I just didn't really want to necessarily pay someone a million and a half to sit on my bench for uh, a few years, set the minors for a few years. And uh, there happened to be, I don't remember exactly why, but there was a, basically there was a slowdown. So there was, a, I think, I think you were fixing the file or something. And so I was like, I just kind of threw it out there. It's like, hey, anybody want this pick? And then, you know, some people were interested, uh, and it, it worked out. Uh, 
worked out. I picked up a pitcher that I actually quite like, uh, Demery from Chicago, and uh, I got a uh, basically kicked the can down the road a little bit. So I got Demery who will probably, I think will probably start for me. And then I got a 86 too. So, you know, just moved it down the road a little bit. And, um, I, you know, I felt like the guy, like in the top of the third round, I would be able to get good something. Uh, which I ended up getting uh, Frank Williams, I think, there, who's like over the moon to get there. So, you know, I think it worked out. But um, I actually had a really good deal worked out for that 17 pick that fell through at the end, uh, which would have made a lot more sense. But so then, but then I was just like, well, I've already kind of decided to trade it. So I'll, I'll, I'll take this other deal. It's not quite as, as good as the, the one that fell through. The one thing I want to say is that expansion years historically have been nuts. So the first expansion was uh, 55, right? Yes. Um, the first expansion year was 55. Well, guess what? There was a Washington dynasty, 52 to 56, but 55, they didn't win. There was 75 was an expansion year. Well, there was a 62, but 62 happened to be in the middle of two dynasties, right? Brooklyn and Chicago. Right. right. So those, those two guys held serve. But Dallas was the expansion team. They finished second that year. So even 62 was interesting, even though, even though you didn't knock off Brooklyn or you know, the two dynasty teams. But in 55, they did knock off. There was a dynasty team knocked off. In 75, that's the year, of course, that Detroit, the mystery team, right? It goes from worst to first in 75 and worst again. I mean, that to me is the most improbable. So that's expansion shenanigans. And now 84. 84, you're switching to a four-division format. You're switching to six teams. So you're almost guaranteeing that you're going to throw up odd outcomes. And oh, guess what? You know, I haven't done the ratings count yet, but just looking at Lance's team, I mean, I'd be shocked if he's not, you know, certainly, he's certainly going to be in the top eight, whether or not, you know, he may is what may be in the top six, right? So, so again, well, you could get... So Glenn, uh, maybe politely skipped over one important thing. So 74 is the expansion year Montreal. So Glenn and I had the expansion teams in 74, Denver and Montreal. Um, Montreal's first year was 500, 78 and 78. Their, their very second year, Montreal won 101 games. They won, took the President's Trophy, won the East Pennant, and of course went out in the playoffs and Detroit won it all. So, but, so that was probably the most successful expansion team, winning a pennant and the President's Trophy in the second year. <laughs> what we're about to see at the end. So Lance has a chance. Lance has a chance to beat that. Let's just put it that way. Again, I, I haven't done the ratings count. I'm looking forward. I'm really looking forward to doing it because, because you know, again, I, I, I just wonder. I, I feel like Havana, if they're not top, like I say, if they're not top six, I mean, to me, they're definitely top eight, definitely top half. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, one of the sort of strategies or the sort of things I looked at was like, once we got through the expansion draft, I felt like enough teams got dinged that they, you know, got weakened enough that, that I felt like it could be competitive. I mean, when I left the expansion draft feeling like the team was already hopefully, you know, within mind, knowing that I was going to go after certain players in the uh, free agency, I felt like the team was going to be a competitive team. And again, it's like, just because we expanded the playoffs and I feel like the division I'm in is the weakest division. Obviously I have to beat Glenn, which is always a tough thing to do. I mean, it's sort of a perennial battle that we have with each other. Um, but I feel like I felt out of the gate, like the team was the second best team in that division already. Luckily ended up getting six to and we'll see if he stays healthy, healthy for the whole season. But it's like, even without that, like just working the margins to get enough free agents to make the team that much better, 
to give myself the opportunity to be, you know, a playoff contender. So like, I feel like the team moved from being, you know, yeah, as Glenn was saying, like a top eight, top eight, you know, seven, eight team to hopefully being like five or six. Well, I mean, you got a chance, like you mentioned, if it, if this truly, I'm not convinced it is the weakest division, but um, I mean, if, if there is no LA or Detroit in it, right. So that helps right away. But, um, but the way that, the, the way the playoffs will work, like you could be sixth overall and still win the division and get one of the top four seeds. Those are the hopes. It's going to be really interesting to see once we start to actually start playing real games in the real fake season, like how well this team will be able to, to you know, do for itself. I think pretty good, bro. <laughs> I think it's the best expansion team ever. I don't think that's open to debate. It's just like you say, is it, are you winning the division? Are you making the playoffs? Like, that's where the well, ball is I, at. So I that's pretty you, amazing. I don't know. Cause you just, you, uh, not to, not to rain on Lance's parade, but um, you just mentioned Dallas winning Dallas won 97 games in. Uh, oh, is that right? In, I remember you finished second. I yeah. remember 97. No, they, yeah. Oh they won 97 God. games. So, so with, this is going to be interesting. So I don't, you know, Havana's going to be good. I don't see them winning 97 no. Games. No, not in the way but, the league is now. Yeah, but but here's here's the thing. Here's what happened to Dallas after they won the '97 games. This is before Eric. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is before Eric took over, so they they have not yeah. won. It took them 19 years before they won 90 games again. Right. So, yeah. Ben DeGrasse was the guy's name. I think he went all for established stars, and they basically peaked that first year. And of course, fell just you know four games short of winning the pennant, and then basically they were kind of an also ran until uh, Eric took them to the pennant in 1981. So it'll be interesting. I don't see Havana peaking in one year and then suddenly dropping. But yeah, 97. That's gonna be that's hard. That's gonna be a hard record to break. 97 wins. Yeah. So yeah. So right there you go. So to clarify, I, I don't but, care about yeah the absolute wins, but but my well, question the hurdle is just to get to the playoffs, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I will. Yeah. I will say this: I do expect Havana, let's say over the first three seasons, is probably you know that maybe that's the benchmark to look at three seasons or five seasons and see what kind of win total they put together over that span. It'll be a big number. Oh, thanks for the love, Glenn. I appreciate it. Come on, bro. It's well deserved. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's, it's like I, you know. It's a, we had the conversation of like, you know, why would you trade away all your 85 picks? And it's like, you know, you know me, man, if I want to get back into the 85 draft, I'll figure out a way to make it happen for myself. I'll, I'll you know, so yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the best. I'm sure Eric is, is as well, you know, and, but I think we sort of have, uh, we planned out different trajectories for this uh, first part of, uh, of, of our new, uh, new team. So, but you know, you never know, you never know what can happen. Crazy stuff can happen. It's like, and also the bar to making the playoffs, it just, you know, it's gotten lower. So, there's a, there's also that as well. I just need Gooden to win like 25 games, and I'm right in the minutes. I mean, I think, yeah, I, think, I think he's very well good. Totally possible. Or maybe yeah, you can also, live my dream. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, try, you could Toronto's division. Yeah, you got Detroit there, and then Cleveland, uh, Chicago, Toronto. So uh, I think there's a, Toronto's got a shot to be in the running for second there. And the question is, is that going to be good enough to finish the top six overall? Yeah, I'm not sure we're quite there yet, but. Uh, I, but part of it too is that I think um, I think we're okay. I just think uh, we don't have any depth. So if I get any injuries or anything, uh, then I'm I'm in I'm in trouble. Uh, particularly in the field, I, my pitching actually I think it's not terrible. But uh, yeah, in the field I'm. I'm just
then. So I need a, and then nice healthy season to, to really be at the yeah. next this year, I think. All right, guys, I'm going to cut it off right here. We're running out of time. So uh, until next time, here's to fake baseball.